Josh here with the IDP show. Now, look, if you know anything about our show, you know we're three mid-30s dads rolling into the Shack every week at about 9 p.m. to record a fantasy football podcast. We've got kids, we've got jobs, so we are worn out when it comes time to record, which is why I'm excited to share about our newest sponsor. It is Liquid IV, which is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Y'all, in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use this first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. So what do we love about Liquid IV? Convenient packaging, you just rip the top off and pour it into your water, shake it up and you're ready to go. Comes in a bunch of amazing flavors. I love strawberry lemonade and watermelon are my two favorite. And one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. 12 delicious flavors. I mentioned a couple. They're refreshing. They're going to keep your hydration routine exciting so it's not the same old flavor time and time again. It contains five essential vitamins, y'all. Listen to these B vitamins. B3, 5, 6, 12, and vitamin C. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV, they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated, listen to this y'all, over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So we are very excited to partner with them. And if you want to try it out, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code IDPSHOW at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code IDPSHOW at liquidiv.com. Check it out and tell them the IDP Show sent you. This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the audio edition heading into week five. How's everyone doing? Hope we're having a good week. We are, we're into the thick of it. We're into the painful part of the season. We got our first bye weeks coming up this week. We got injuries all over the place. This is the the painful part of the season, no doubt. But this is also where we can get some separation from the guys that maybe aren't paying as much attention or let these frustrations get to them and uh, you know maybe discourage them from making all the moves they can to win their games every week. I, I see that all the time. I was talking to my boss today about it. He's feeling frustrated with everything too. And I told him, Man, that's a good thing. You know, if you power through that, you're going to be doing it better than a lot of other people that just choose not to. I see that all the time. So no matter how bad things are, do not give up. Make them kill you. That is how we win these days. So things are tough, but we keep on moving here. So let's have a look, at starting with last week's transparency for the week four edition of the Cornerback Corner written article and audio. 
And then we'll have a look at what we got going on here in week five and get you some good cornerback streams for this here week. All right, starting with transparency, written edition last week, week four, I was 78% accurate on 64 adjusted calls. That's down from 75 I made originally. There were 11 inactives slash injuries during play last week. So that leaves us with 64, 78% accurate on those calls. I had a 52% massive hit rate last week. So 52% of all the correct calls, double, tripled, quadrupled, or more, their projection. So very good number right there. I am sitting at 81% accuracy for the season. That is matching or beating projection. I'm using Yahoo in my fantasy league uh, for those projections. And I have a 45% season-long massive hit rate. So things are looking pretty good. Let's keep it going here. A uh, little more transparency from last week. These were the guys I recommended as corners one and twos type deals. So Razul Douglas was the first one. He went past his projection. We're looking good there. AJ Terrell was just under his projection. So one miss there. Cater Kohu was also under his projection. So sorry about that. Shit happens. Kenny Moore tripled his projections. So we got our first real good call from the audio last week. Marshawn Lattimore went right past his projection, so we're looking good there. And Nate Hobbs was inactive, which is something that happens. It is the only bad thing about Nate Hobbs is he gets hurt sometimes, so it is what it is. Dart throws last week. Let's look at some transparency for those dart throws we talked about last week. So Christian Benford was injured during play, so that's a, I guess we don't count that because it is what it is. Teron Johnson went past his projection. Xavier Howard went past his projection, so we're looking good there. Dante Jackson was injured during play, so we can't count that. Patrick Peterson doubled his projection, so we're looking good there. Kendall Fuller met his projection, so we're looking good there. Jacorian Bennett beat his projection, but he is losing snaps and playing time, so it's probably getting close for us you know, to, to abandon ship time. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the MISC notes. Christian Gonzalez was injured, possibly a season-ending injury. So obviously, you know, he's one of those we-can't-count-it type deals, is what it is. He was hurt during play. Adore Jackson was under projection by a tackle. So apologies there. Close, but no cigar. So a few misses here with the cornerback ones and twos and the overall dart throw transparency. It looks like we missed on one, two, three guys. We had a few injuries, and the rest were all correct. So, so still looking pretty good. And then once again, on the written article, we were at 78% last week. So we're looking pretty good there. So overall, not bad, especially with a position as wildly sporadic, unpredictable, and insane as cornerback. I had a league, I was telling Josh this earlier, I had a week this week where I streamed Patrick Peterson, Kenny Moore, and Devin Witherspoon and had over 100 IDP points from just three cornerbacks last week. And uh, yeah, I can only imagine what my opponent was thinking when he saw that. So, you know, this is this is a real thing. If we get these right, they can really help us win matchups. That is for sure. Speaking of which, let's look at some matchups for week five. We'll start with the best matchups of the week. And we're going to start with Jags and Bills. Another early Sunday morning game over on the other side of the pond. We've got a 47 and a half point over under which indicates a good amount of likely offense involved. That's a good thing right there. Both of these teams are within the top 11 for targeting their wide receivers each week, which is excellent. Both of these teams were within the top 10 for passing offenses all of last season. That looks good as well. We've got talent everywhere, wide receiver cores, quarterbacks, etc. 
And the Bills secondary is beat up. It is completely beat up. Christian Benford is injured. Tredavious White is done for the season. Jordan Poyer was inactive a week or two ago. They had to bring in Taylor Rapp and activate Tamar Hamlin. So that that secondary is pretty beat up at the moment. That could be just what the Jags need to stay in this game and make it more of a back and forth affair. So I think we do get a really good stream out of this. I like Jags Bills quite a bit to start the week. Sunday morning early this coming week. I like the Giants side of Miami and New York Giants. We've got a 49-point over-under with the Giants getting 10 points in the spread. That implies what we all think it implies, a bloodbath where Miami gets right after the loss last week against the Buffalo Bills. They come over to uh, New York and just beat the hell out of the Giants, which is great for our Giants cornerbacks. Deontay Banks, Adoree Jackson, should have to deal with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell all day long and that excellent Miami Dolphins passing attack and offense in general. And I think we may even get some run-stopping tackles out of our corners this week as the, the Dolphins running backs will likely salt this game away in the second half. So really good setup for our Giants options this week. That's another matchup I like, that one side of it at least. We certainly don't want to start any Miami corners against Daniel Jones and company, that's for sure. Another matchup I like this week quite a bit, Eagles at Rams. So we got good Los Angeles weather. We got a 46 and a half point over under. We've got two talented veteran quarterbacks, one with a Super Bowl, one was just in a Super Bowl. We've got young wide receiver talent on both sides. We got a feisty Rams team that just doesn't know when to quit. They don't know they're supposed to be rebuilding. No one has told them that or they don't care. But they've shown up to every game they've played this season, and I don't think it's going to be any different with the Eagles in town this week. So I feel like we get all of those 46.5 points and maybe even more and have a pretty good back-and-forth affair that should lead to some good cornerback streams for us out of Eagles and Rams this week. I like that one quite a bit as well. And finally, my favorite matchup of the week, Chiefs at Vikings. 52 and a half point over under, which is the highest of the week and the highest I've seen in a while. It is easily the best matchup of the week. It features two top five passing offenses from last season. Both of these teams are in the top 10 for targeting their wide receivers this season. And it is a picture perfect Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed week. Those guys are both corner ones and very easily so. And I think we get some value for a Caleb Evans and Byron Murphy on the other side as well. You know, it, all they got to do is scheme away Travis Kelsey a little bit, make him throw towards those wide receivers a little bit more, and we're in a good situation for those guys as well. So really great matchup there to round out our best matchups for Week 5. Worst matchups for Week 5, we're going to start with Ravens at Steelers. So both of these quarterbacks are completing fewer than 20 passes per game. Both of these offenses are what you might consider a run-first offense. Both defenses are pretty solid. Obviously, the Ravens is a little bit more solid because they didn't just get annihilated by a rookie quarterback fresh from Ohio State. Thanks, Pittsburgh. Really enjoyed you blowing up my parlay this week. That was wonderful. But yeah, back to the matchup here. There's not a lot of wide receiver talent here. Trey Flowers and George Pickens are probably the two best wide receivers that you know we're featuring in this matchup, and they're really not anything special at the moment. So just not a lot of positive factors. We got a 41-point over-under for that game, Ravens-Steelers. It, it feels like a defensive struggle. It feels like a black-and-blue affair. It feels like, you know, 
two yards up the middle in a cloud of dust, right? It just doesn't strike me as an offensive fireworks show. So I am avoiding that one. I am also avoiding Jets at Broncos this week. So the Jets have the worst passing attack in the league with the worst wide receiver target ranking in the league. That was, you know, I haven't factored in the Sunday night game yet, but they didn't get much better. That's for sure. Versus Broncos country. Let's ride. Yeah. So not great. And the Jets defense is very, very good. They are good enough to slow down the already mediocre Russell Wilson and and really just jam him up this week. So I don't like that one at all. I feel like we may still get at least the projection out of Sauce and DJ Reed just because Wilson will make some mistakes. He still throws about, I was looking at this earlier, about 23 completed passes per game. And Sauce and Reed are good enough to get theirs, even in a bad matchup like this. But just in general, I don't like that matchup. It's not good. Low over under as well. I believe it was like a 39 or a 39.5. So not great. So those are the two I'm really avoiding like the plague this week. Some guys I think that could end up being cornerback ones or twos or guys that could really help you win your league this week. We'll start with Tyson Campbell. Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Bills. This is the guy that will very likely be responsible for Stephon Diggs. Tyson Campbell has been excellent this season regardless. He's been over projection, I believe, three out of four weeks so far this season. And when he goes over projection, he goes quite a bit over projection. You know, prior to this, he had a couple seasons of just really excellent salad play, over 70 combined tackles, if I recall correctly, each uh, season, his rookie in his second season. He's just always a really good option. And he's actually got a pretty good matchup this week. So I think we should absolutely take advantage of that and fire up Tyson Campbell as a likely cornerback one or two against the Buffalo Bills this week. I also like on the other side of that, Teron Johnson versus the Jaguars. After a slow week one where he only played about 60-ish percent of snaps, he's been climbing back up on the playing time. He's been at or around 85% of snaps the last couple weeks here. So he's getting much closer to where we want him to be. With the injury to Tredavious White, I don't think they can cut his playing time, that's for sure. So he may even see a bump due to that. They're running out of guys. They're running out of guys in the secondary, and he's a very talented option. So I think the playing time is going to be there. He's very likely going to be responsible for you know either Calvin Ridley or one of the other talented options there from Jacksonville. I think he'll get plenty of work this week, and Teron Johnson has traditionally been an extremely productive option for Never mind streaming corner, just general IDP cornerback play. He's been a great option for years. So I am not ready to abandon ship after a couple bad games to start the year. He has been better the last two weeks. He's been a lot better. So I feel like he's in a good spot this week against the Jaguars. Another guy I like this week quite a bit, AJ Terrell versus the surprising Texans. Get plowed for Stroud, right? Man, those guys were right. So Stroud has thrown over 300 yards a couple few times this season. He's had over 30 completions once this season. He's averaging around 25 completed passes a game. He's throwing to wide receivers none of us have ever heard of and didn't know were alive until this season. He's getting it done. The guy is good. He's got a good floor. And A.J. Terrell is in the best position to take advantage of that floor as an opposing quarterback, cornerback, excuse me for the Atlanta Falcons. So I like A.J. Terrell quite a bit this week against the Texans. Another guy I like this week, he's definitely had a slower start to the season, but I am not a little picture person. I am a big picture person. When I'm looking at these cornerback streams, I'm not looking at just last week or just this season. I'm looking at lifetime. 
lifetime historical production plus lifetime playing time plus lifetime PFF store uh, scores plus all that with this season as well. I'm factoring all that in. So just because Adoree Jackson has not done as well as I think he's capable of does not mean I'm going to give up on him. He's playing 100% of snaps a week. He's an extremely talented guy. He's been the overall cornerback one for IDP in recent history for us. This is not a guy that is bad in any way, shape, or form. And he's got the Miami Dolphins this week. So that means he's either on Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell. Doesn't matter. Either way, he's going to be showered with targets. So I like, I'm going back to Adoree Jackson. Either, even after he let me down a little bit against Seattle last week, I am going back to him again this week against Miami, and I feel really good about it. Another guy I like is a possible cornerback one or two this week, Darius Slay versus the Los Angeles Rams. So Slay and Bradbury are going to be responsible for uh, Puka Nuka. And uh, the other guy there, can't remember his name at the moment, the, the, the slightly less good receiver than Puka Nuka. Yeah, a lot of targets between those two guys. I talked about this last week. There was over 40-something targets for Nuka and 25-ish, probably closer to, you know, over 30 for the other guy. I'm just going to look up his name. Yeah, it was Tutu Atwell. Tutu Atwell is the other guy. You, you'll have to forgive me. I, I concentrate more on the defensive side of the ball. Offense has always been pretty easy in my eyes, so not anything you really need to pay attention to. Just kind of follow the playing time. Uh, you'll figure the rest out from there. So yeah, Tutu Atwell, who had something like 25 targets in three or four games, and then Puka, who had upwards of 40 through week four. So we're talking a ton of targets between those two guys, and Darius Slay and James Bradbury will be covering them. So both are in a good position this week. Slay's been a little bit more productive this season, and he's a little bit less likely to get banged up. So I'm picking Darius Slay as the cornerback one slash two option against the Rams this week. I like him quite a bit. Other guys I like as corners one or two this week, Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie. Take your pick. Doesn't matter. They're both in an excellent position this week. Depends how you feel about it. If you feel that McDuffie has fully taken over that more productive role and is the guy that you want to bet on this year, go with McDuffie. Sneed's been fine too. They both had pretty good, when they've been in good positions, they've produced this year. The problem is they haven't always been in good positions. Perfect example last week against the Jets, against the terrible passing attack, Trent McDuffie did fine. Legereus Sneed did not. There was not enough to eat for both of them because of the opposing offense was just not there. It was just not enough to keep both those guys productive and happy. I think we get that this week. I think the Vikings with Kirk Cousins with his over 30 completions per game floor, that's real, has more than enough firepower to keep Snead and McDuffie at or past their projection this week as corners one and two. So I, I like them both. Take your pick. Two other guys I like that I think could definitely end the week as corner one or two, Diamador Lenoir and Chevarius Ward of the 49ers against the Cowboys, who are going to absolutely come apart at the seams on Sunday night football against the 49ers, as is tradition. So that typically includes, last few times we've seen 49ers-Cowboys, a couple few Dak Prescott interceptions. You know, good bet that Lenoir or Ward gets one of them. Safety will probably get another one, a Funga or Gibson. But they're coming. They are coming. I would bet the farm that Dak Prescott throws a couple picks this week. Beyond that, they're going to be in a negative game script. I can almost guarantee it. They're going to have to abandon the run. They're going to start passing, and things are not going to go well for them. So I, I have a real good feeling about Diamador Lenoir and Chavarius Ward against the Cowboys this week. 
if for no other reason than the coaching staff in San Francisco is light years smarter than what we have in Dallas. So they'll figure out a way to make that happen. I was wrong last week, by the way, about the Patriots, and I'm happy to be wrong as a Cowboys fan, but the Patriots in San Francisco are two different beasts. So we'll see what happens this week. But regardless, Lenoir and Ward, good options this week. And then obviously to round things out, Nate Hobbs, if he's healthy, if he can play this week, is always a start as a cornerback one because he is the cornerback one. All right, let's move on to some dart throws for week five. Let's start in Arizona. We've got Marco Wilson and Kytrell Clark going up against Cincinnati. This is definitely risky, but I do think that if somehow Cincinnati can protect Joe Burrow just a second or two longer on each snap so he can actually get a pass off, then maybe we get a return to some of that floor that we've seen from him before, uh, throwing to Chase and Boyd now that Higgins is out. And that would benefit Wilson and Kytrell Clark quite a bit. These guys have been okay regardless in pretty much every matchup this year. And I think they're in a good spot to excel this week if we can get some of that old Cincinnati Bengals offense. That's the only thing that's jamming this up. So, you know, instead of it being a cornerback one or two thing, that's why it's a dart throw because it's dependent on Cincinnati, not on Marco Wilson or Kytrell Clark. They'll both play 100% of snaps. They'll both be in a good position to produce. It's just not up to them. It's up to the Bengals. Another guy I like this week is a strong dart throw, Razul Douglas. This is dependent on Jimmy Beautiful, Jimmy G, playing. We saw that there was a pretty night and day difference between Jimmy G and Aiden O'Connell. O'Connell did end up with over 20 completions last week, but they all came with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Just dink and dunk, you know, trying desperately to get the game tied type stuff. You know, if you have almost no completions through three quarters, that's reality. Uh, a two-minute offense that you run over and over again in the last six minutes of a game is not reality. That's, that's a very specific situation. And if we don't get that situation, then Aiden O'Connell has no completions last week. So I do not like it if Aiden O'Connell gets the start again. But if Jimmy G gets the start, I, I like Razul Douglas quite a bit. Jimmy G has been pretty solid. He tends to shower Devontae Adams with targets. He's been he's been pretty good. I think we can get a good result week out of out of that if Jimmy G plays. Another guy I like that's a little bit under the radar, a Caleb Evans versus the Chiefs. Evans has been solid all season, and he actually outsnapped Byron Murphy for the first time this past week. So this is like the corner of the future for the Vikings, and he's got a pretty decent matchup with the Chiefs in town this week. But this is a guy that not a lot of people know about. He's been fairly productive this season. You could probably get him off waivers, and he's a pretty good dart throw to have a good week against the Chiefs. Another guy that I think maybe as not as much a dart throw, but just a reliable option, DJ Reed versus the Broncos. That sauce effect that I've talked about since week one continues to happen just about every week. Opposing teams shy away from Sauce Gardner, throw at DJ Reed. DJ Reed hits his projection. I think we get that again this week against the Broncos. It may not be as good as in other weeks, but I think we at least get his projection. And then the last two dart throws I want to talk about. So I mentioned Darius Slay versus the Rams. James Bradbury versus the Rams is also a good option because he'll be on Atwell or Nakua. But Bradbury does get dinged a little more often, and lifetime career statistics is not as productive as Slay. So these are all things that are swirling around in my brain when I think about this stuff. It's it's not just what happened last week and how much someone played and stuff like that. There's a lot that goes into this soup right here, that's for sure. But yeah, like James Ramberry, quite a bit as a dart throw this week. 
And then my last favorite dart throw. This is another guy that you could probably get off waivers in most places, assuming it's not like a deeper dynasty league. Deontay Banks versus the Miami Dolphins. Deontay Banks was up to 100% of snaps last week. It's him and Adoree Jackson as the two starting 100% of snaps cornerbacks. Everyone knows who Adoree Jackson is. No one knows who Deontay Banks is. So you can go ahead and grab him off waivers in most places and have yourself a pretty good dart throw against an excellent Dolphins passing attack this week. I like that one quite a bit. All right, let's move on to some bad ideas that maybe seem good. So don't get me wrong. I love Alante Taylor. He's had a massively productive season so far. But there are certain things you just can't overcome, right? If the setup is so bad, then we need everything to go right for you to get past your projection and have a monster week. Great example of that was Jerry Jacobs last Thursday against uh, Green Bay. So Green Bay did not complete many passes. They did not have much offense in general. In fact, I believe they had negative yardage at halftime, if I recall that correctly. So Jerry Jacobs just happened to be in the right place at the right time when that mini comeback happened at the end of the third and into the fourth quarter to get those four pass deflections. I believe it was an interception. Might have been a couple tackles in there. It was the four pass deflections that really pumped him up in all the leagues I've seen him in because we score pass defense pretty high in those leagues because we value cornerbacks. But yeah, he was in the right place at the right time. It was not a good setup for him. We can't just rely on luck all the time. We need to put ourselves in good position to score IDP points from our streaming cornerbacks. And Elante Taylor is not in a good position this week. The Patriots stink. Their passing attack is garbage. Taylor, after a like a 40-point week three week, came crashing back to earth last week in a, in a less ideal setup against a, a less good passing attack. And this is that was Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has, you know, a mediocre passing attack. The Patriots don't have a passing attack. They're, they're talking about pulling Mac Jones already. We're not even halfway through the season. So things are not good in New England. And I, if Taylor's going to have a big week, it'll be from splash plays. It'll be because he picks someone, picks off Mac Jones, takes it to the house, which is a possibility, but it is not a possibility that happens often. That's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm talking about. You don't want to bet on a pick six because a cornerback gets a pick six once, twice, maybe three times a season if they're lucky, right? For some guys, it happens once, twice, three times their entire career. So we cannot keep betting on that stuff. We need to bet on good, safe floors. And that comes from tackles after completed passes and, you know, jamming your arm out at the last second, getting a pass defense. If we get enough combined tackles and enough pass defense from a guy, that's our floor. That's our projection right there. And then anything else we get on top of that is icing on the cake and leads to those massive weeks that we love to see. So just be careful with Alante Taylor this week, this week. There are many great streams to come, just not this week. And then same thing with Jerry Jacobs versus the Panthers. A lot of people are going to see Jerry Jacobs' uh, box score last week, grab him and start him versus the Panthers. The Bryce Young-led Panthers are not a good passing attack at all. Beyond that, Jerry Jacobs is not the starter there. Emmanuel Mosley is, according to all the depth charts I've seen and everything I read in the offseason. If Emmanuel Mosley is healthy and plays this week, Jerry Jacobs ain't going to play. So all these people chasing that 40-point week last week may eat a zero this week because they didn't listen to this podcast or they didn't read the article or they don't know the normal order of operations for these uh, cornerbacks in Detroit. But everything I've seen says Jerry Jacobs is the backup to Emmanuel Mosley. So 
just keep that in mind. That may not be true anymore. Jerry Jacobs may have played him, played his way into the starting role, but we don't know because Mosley has not been healthy yet this year. So until we see them both healthy at the same time, we don't know, and that's a dangerous situation. And there's nothing worse than guessing wrong on something like this and getting a zero. That could totally screw your week up. So I don't even mess around with that stuff. If I see something like this, I'm staying way away from it, and I'm going to play someone that I know is going to play 100% of snaps and is in a good position to give me good production each and every week. All right, let's move on to some miscellaneous notes, then we'll wrap it up here. So obviously everyone's talking about the Devin Witherspoon game. I mentioned that last week and the week before. He does have a lot of good positive factors going in his favor. The new normal apparently is Devin Witherspoon 100% of snaps, Tariq Woolen 97% of snaps, and then that giant mess I kind of talked about last week, way behind them, you know, 70% of snaps and down for guys like Michael Jackson, Kobe Bryant, Artie Burns, Trey Brown, guys like that. So Witherspoon is safe and Woolen is safe. So yeah, keep keep feeling free to fire up Witherspoon. Uh, he's definitely talented. He's got some good factors going in his favor. Everything from the rookie cornerback rule to you know maybe some old tape on him that suggests that he's vulnerable to being passed at. Whatever. He's been good, so go with the hot hand. He does appear to be safe for now. Christian Gonzalez is going to be gone for a while for the Patriots. Maybe season ending. We shall see. Jonathan Jones, I would bet you the farm that he's back this week or next. They need help in that cornerback core desperately, so very desperately right now. With Gonzalez gone, I think Jonathan Jones, who's been at the cusp of playing the past few weeks, finally starts this week or next. That is an excellent streaming corner option that's coming off waivers, has not played a snap this entire season, so has zero stats and has had zero projection for the past month. So you probably couldn't even find him in most searches. I would go out and get him because he is a very, very good option, and he's going to be the best option they have there once he starts playing, which could be as soon as this week or maybe even next. So Jonathan Jones, go grab him while you can. Speaking of guys that are sneaking up there, Jeff Akuda is getting close to his normal playing time. Uh, I believe it was about 16% of snaps week three, shot up to 70-something last week. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at or, you know, at or around 100% of snaps this week right here. So he is definitely sneaking in there. That's a, another good streaming corner option for the Falcons. I have I, I recommended him this week just in deeper leagues only just because until I see that full playing time, it's kind of risky, but he is sneaking back up there. So that's another guy that doesn't have really any stats this season or much playing time. It's going to be an option in the next week or two. So if you want to get out in front of it, now is the time. Another guy that you could grab now before he blows up later is Juju Brents on the Colts. The rookie corner has taken over the third cornerback slot there in Indianapolis. He played 96% of snaps last week. So that's going to be a guy that, that could be pretty good here in the near future, especially if you believe in the rookie cornerback rule. Last couple things. So we don't want to chase Darius Williams. I know, you know, we all know he had a huge week last week. He took a touchdown to the house. He had a 40 point plus game. Historically, that is not something he does. That is probably the only time he will do this this entire season. If you go back and look at all his box scores for the past four years, like I have done and will continue to do, you'll see that the, that is an outlier performance. Darius Williams is a good guy to meet and maybe go a little bit past his projection, but that's about it. He does not do what he did last week, so don't count on that again anytime soon. It's just not something he does. 
And then beyond that, guys that have been cold this year, Adoree Jackson, Byron Murphy, you know, beyond that one game a couple of weeks ago where it went crazy. I'm not worried in the least bit. I'm looking, like I said early, at the big picture, not the little picture. We've seen these guys do it and do it well and do it for years. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Another good example of this in IDP would be Javon Hargrave a couple of years ago on the Eagles, where he started the season with like seven sacks in four games. And everyone thought he was going to break the sack record and you know, it was going to be the greatest defensive tackle in the history of the game and this, that, and the other. And he ended the season with, I believe, around 10 or 11 sacks. He slowed right down. If you look at these average numbers from guys year to year, they're all about the same year to year because that's just about the type of production you should expect from a corner that plays 100% of snaps every week and is pretty productive. You know, 70 to 80 combined tackles, you know, 20 pass defense if you're lucky, four to six interceptions. That's a hell of a year for, for any cornerback right there. Those are the numbers that Adoree Jackson and Byron Murphy have had for years and years and years. They will get those numbers. Just because they've started slow doesn't mean they're going to end slow. It just means that there's more to come. So I'm not worried about it. You shouldn't be worried about it. There's, we all hear about positive regression. That is absolutely a thing. So these guys will be fine by the end of the season. We'll forget that we even had this conversation. So don't let a couple bad weeks scare you off. This is a marathon, not a sprint. But yeah, and that's pretty much it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you all have a good week five. Hope your cornerback streams work out. And we'll be back to do it again. Same time, same place next week. Have a good one, everyone. Take care and good luck in all your matchups. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>